Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Fantastic, Dennis. Tonight is great. This weekend was the 4th of July weekend last weekend. Yep. Uh, yep. So we're about a week show, week after on the... You know, that holiday this, but... was on Thursday, and it threw off my whole week. Well, <laughs> it does for my whole I actually, weekend. I went back my... to work Friday, and I was like... What's uh, happening? What day is it? Aren't we supposed to record a podcast today? Because oh, right. like we record on Mondays, and so I'm like, well, I didn't work yesterday, so we must be recording tonight. No, no, it's Friday. Thursday is my favorite day to have a holiday because everybody, you can take one day off on Friday and get friggin' four days. That's it's true, great. and that's what I should have done if I had been paying attention, but I was not. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't, but I was like, hey, yeah, this is the opportune time. No one at work is even coming in. And sometimes those are good days to go to work too, because then you don't have to do a whole lot. You can, or right, you can just sit right. down and get a lot done, too, or get stuff no done. No, nope, nobody's bothering you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, for those who aren't listeners who are not in the U.S., Fourth uh, of July is the American Independence Day celebration of our country birth. Type I, th- I think if even if they don't live here, they probably know that. Yeah, well, just in <laughs> case, you know that those people in Swahili that that. Uh, listen to us or Uganda. Yeah, all of our all of our non-English speaking listeners. Yeah, correct. <laughs> uh so the, the but yeah, the 4th of July was this last weekend. Did you have fun with the family? My youngest sister just graduated high school and uh we're doing her open house. It's a which is a little different because I don't it's she graduates like not in May. Well, she graduated and the open house comes later. It's not it might be a little bit late in the year, but I don't think it's abnormally late. Sure. Um this is a I don't know if this is done everywhere. It's very common in this midwestern region where we live. We've done it for all of us. I I did it and everybody since then in between. Um it's sort of like a wedding reception for a mm-hmm. high school graduation. Uh it's yeah. an opportunity for extended family to come into town and friends to come and visit and you know everybody brings cards with money in it that's the real thing um yeah so that's that's what's been going on for me the the big i've kind of put a pause on what i'm working on working on over at the house with the door trim and stuff and i've been helping with some of the projects here did some more trim, if you could believe that. Man, getting some work. You, you took the opportunity to get stuff done. To get some stuff done, yeah. Uh, I should have done that, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, hey, let's. Uh, I'd like to start this week and talk about our 2020 challenge. So we got another Monty Python, not another Monty, that's because our only Monty Python movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Life of Brian. Monty this Python's week? Life of Brian, 1979. 79. Okay, yeah. There's weird things about the 70s, and this is one of them. <laughs> uh, it, this is funny. I, I think it's – I don't really want to go into, the, like, what Monty Python is and all that stuff because that's just a whole thing. But I don't think either of um, us are qualified for that conversation yeah, anyway. Exactly. Um, go on but, Go on YouTube or uh, even Netflix had a couple of shows where they would – I didn't watch the whole thing, but there was one a couple of years ago hosted by Hugh Bonneville, who's probably best known for uh, playing Lord Grantham on Downton Abbey, is hosting, and they have comedians come in and pick their what they call best bits of uh, oh, yeah. of their work between the movies and the show, uh, Flying Circus. Nice. 
Well, the the um, it's very much it's a skit show like all most of Monty Python things. And John Cleese, when interviewed for this, he talked about doing the Monty Python stuff. The word they used was silly. It's like everything was uh, sometimes uh, silly or I can't remember what was the other thing he said like um, um, is it naughty, naughty or silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were the two things. Like everything they wanted to do, if it was silly, then they would do it. And that and that's kind of how this is. It's it almost feels like when I was a high schooler, this is that kind of really silly humor that anyone who has like uh, culture or anything would not find funny and would not right. like and be offensive, right? Right? Because this is definitely not cultural. It's just silly and fun, and that's Monty Python. Um, but this one is funny. They picked the life of Brian for this poster challenge. Whoever this whoever did this poster, is, right? Instead of Quest for the Holy Grail, I was wondering what you thought. We we watched the Holy Grail not too long ago. Yep. Um, and what did you think? You think would you, if a Monty Python goes on this list, would you say Life of Brian or or Holy Grail? Because everyone usually would say Holy Grail, but and we just yeah, watched Life of Brian. It's that's hard because like you're right. Everybody everybody says Holy Grail. Uh, I think maybe this one is more of a movie, is more of a story. Yeah, this kind of has a story-ish. I was like, going to say that too. It's Monty, there's a uh, throughput uh, lines. The, like Holy Grail is so ubiquitous that when people say Monty Python, that's usually what they mean. Um, yes, right. By now, this this era, older people still you know know the difference, but. The Holy Grail doesn't really end. No, it doesn't. Right? It just it just cuts off and does this weird uh, random thing. And this is like, there's not much of a story to it, but just like every, you know, story told of the life of Christ begins with, you know, the apocryphal major scene and ends with the crucifixion. Um, Right. So this, in that sense, does have a beginning and an end. Yeah, it has a it has a beginning, middle, it. and end. The basic criteria for a story, um, right? And it does end with this like John Cleese isn't wrong that it's silly. This the song that they sing, uh, right. always look on the bright side of life. Right, but it's not it's not a bad song in the world of like goofy songs. Right. Right? Like, it's, you know, it's got a little bit of a message in as much as you could say anything from Monty Python has a message and is not just, like, uh, it's weird because they do a lot of social and political commentary, but it's so, like, there's so much humor going on that you're not sure whether you can take any of it seriously. Right. And there was there was yeah, a the, fair amount of that in this movie. So something that being, I mean, I've said it before when we talked about Holy Grail. I admitted to the fact that I had not done a lot of Monty Python stuff at all. Sure, seen bits and pieces, but never actually watched the stuff until last year. Um, so coming into that now, if anyone's listening and not watched a Monty Python and just don't understand what it is, besides this, the fact that it's a skit. And it's it's easy to call it British humor, but the best kind of humor is that um, they 
try every scene is has almost always somebody trying to get through a real story. They're trying to do something. And then throughout that scene, everyone else is thwarting them with satire or commentary. Okay. Uh, and that's a lot of Monty Python where, where they'll be going like, I'm going yeah. from across this town to get the well water. And then they like, then they talk about sanitary stuff or in one scene, actually in this one for a real scene is they, they're like trying to overthrow the Romans. And he's giving this speech about overthrowing the Romans. And then everyone's interrupting constantly with these like, well, the yeah, Romans it's like the, it's like the Spanish Inquisition bit. They're like, what have the Romans ever done for us? And they're like, yes. Well, there, right. there's clean water. They're like, okay, right. apart from clean water, what have the Romans ever done? Well, the sanitation. That's okay. okay. Right. And, it, and, so, just, so the, and that's, that's, that's the a bit. lot of Monty Python, if, if you've never seen it. It's, it's a lot of. I've never heard it this described scene? that way, but that's, that's right. really true. It's a scene, and they're like, okay, we're going to do what would be a normal thing here, and then everyone else around it is going to screw it up with words. I mean you from know. the from the very opening scene when they do uh, you know Brian and his mother which is one of the one of the five guys uh five six guys um you know as a woman which mm-hmm. of course is very funny to english people right. in the 70s right. 80s um yeah. and the three wise men show up and they all, all they want to do is give the gifts and pay their respects to who they think is baby Jesus. Exactly. And and she's like grilling them on what what uh, frankincense is or myrrh. Myrrh, right, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, it says, right. well, what do you mean this?" You know, uh this like that's what give makes them the Monty third Python degree. funny. Right. That's what makes Monty Python funny is that there's always in every scene somebody's trying to get something done. And that's... and if you think about it, like uh, think of the Holy Grail when the he's riding the horse, and I think he's trying. He sees the peasants on the ground, and he's just trying to ask a question. I can't remember if it's directions or something. Yeah. And then the peasant starts grilling him on her rights or something. And that's the uh, that's the Dennis character who's he's he's trying to find right. the Lord of their castle so that he can recruit him to the to the Knights of the Round Table. And the Dennis character right. starts grilling him about, uh, you know, social politics. Exactly. And that's Monty Python is that's uh, and it makes it hilarious because it's almost a frustration step in Monty yeah. Python. Yeah. Holy Grail again is that they go up to the castle and he wants to see the Lord. And then the guy, the French guy keeps just giving him crap the whole time. And it's just like, I'm just trying to do a thing here. Uh, so and, and that's funny. And they do that and t- they do that in their, their movies until it gets old. And then they just end the movie. Right. And right. That's yeah. one of the comedians on monty python's best bit made that observation that uh the the monty pythons were not afraid to let a joke go as long as it was funny and then just end it like if they didn't have a clever way to end it they're just like okay that's done cut now for something completely different right Uh, again taking my example through it the stoning scene like the guy just is going to stone a guy and the crowd <laughs> is stopping him the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so when you watch a Monty Python thing, every scene that goes, look for that. Like you'll see, you'll look for the one people or person or, or the people that are trying to get something done and then how everybody else subverts it. Uh, I mean, it I, I listened to a book on, it's on screenwriting, but I was listening to it for uh, RPG GMing advice. Mm-hmm. And this author made the observation that 
almost all of life lives in the gap between what you want or expect to happen when you take an action and what actually happens. It's like expectation and reality. Right. So like in a conversation, you say something to someone trying to accomplish something. So you have some expectation for how they're going to react or what they're going to understand. And yeah. they almost never understand or react exactly the way you expected them to. Right. And like his, his statement was, that's where all of life is. And I'm like, that's a heavy statement, but (laughs) I mean, in this, in this case, that's exactly what you're talking about, except it's, it's all external. It's all these people in, in comedic ways, uh, you know, interfering with that expectation or that goal. Right. And, and uh, yeah, it's funny with, that makes sense in a DMing standpoint when you, you know, you playing role-playing game as a DM, you make up a story, you make up what expectations, you make up the rules and the stuff. And then the players have a totally different kind of thing. And what happens between the middle of that, that's the actual game game. Yeah. And when you play like a a computer RPG or a, a computer game, the game is what they present to you and that's what you're playing. Right. And, role-playing game it's that middle part there between what you give and they change and it becomes that thing at the end okay do right do you want to get into the like um let's see the commentary aspects of this movie mm, no i mean not really i don't know I, I i never thought about it too much i know I don't know. I mean, again, listening to to Cleese talk and some other people, actors talk about this, just it just felt like that time in their life and that they're doing. Yeah, they had some things to say, but really, it's just about having fun and what was fun and silly. Yeah, and- it's just funny. Like, and that's and that's how it felt to me. It's like the uh, where if Holy Grail is if if you could call any of these movies commentary, if Holy Grail is a commentary on medieval world and monarch monarchy monarchical government yeah um this one's obviously religious commentary or Is just it? just just commentary on christianity and the history of christianity i mean i mean guess but, maybe I, but I mean, again I know it takes place it's during a, that but i never felt that commentary i never well it's I mean, being, being a christian i never felt like i was being offended or, no and it's and it's subtle it's it's done in ways where you're like, yeah, I guess. And it's because it's funny. You're like, oh, right, of course. So what if, um, you know, one lady thinks that he dropped this gourd and another guy thinks that he took his sandal off on purpose. Now his followers have split into two factions already. Right. 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 Like, it's so funny that you're like, oh, OK, I see what they're I see what they're doing here. This is, this is a joke on a. On a thing, but if you don't know, you know the history of the church and orthodoxy and Protestantism and all of that stuff. It's still funny because it's so ridiculous. Well, well, some of it exactly. Some of it. I, th- that's why I say I, I think that some people sometimes take things too deep. And and again, I just watched two different interviews with Cleese, and that's sure. why it probably it's fresh on my mind. Uh, but he he the way. He talked about um, in 1962, there were some people that he really liked, some comedians that came on, and 
they did um, some satire and some jokes and comedy about uh, like the prime minister and the queen. And that had never been done before. He's like in 1955, if anybody had done that kind of comedy, everyone would have been aghast and said it's very disrespectful and would not have liked it. But in like 1962, people were coming out, falling over laughing and breathing for air because this is the, he said, because it was stuff about, you know, on Sunday church, we go and there's these terrible songs and somebody's finally making a joke about it. And we all feel the exact same way. <laughs> right, and it's funny right. because we're all there and we all get it. And we all have yeah, the same it's, feeling. It's sort of the same principle as a jester. Right. Like, yeah. like the king, I mean, he's, not, he's not saying that, that church is bad or that church is that having songs that are respectful are bad. He's just saying that, like, hey, this is a thing that's funny. Hey, wouldn't it be funny if this guy did this thing and now suddenly people are fanatically following him or yeah. like I mean, it's, it's, like the mother, the mother got offended when they asked if she was a virgin and wouldn't answer. And so they're like. Yeah, I'll bet she's a virgin. Like, she wouldn't right. be so touchy about it if, if she weren't. And, that, and that's sometimes in our modern society we have uh, – we do a lot of comedy and satire to be mean or to, sure. like, I want to prove a point or yeah. I want to say a thing or I want to convince people. When real, like, satire – we should – in my own humble opinion, it, comedy can be anything and you shouldn't take yourself so seriously all the all the time. Even politicians who are dealing with war and nuclear weapons – you, if you can't have some lightheartedness in your life and to be able to look and say, that's funny, you know, the fact that one person could push a button is moderately humorous, you know, then yeah. you're missing out on a lot of that part of, of life. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't think there is such a thing as humor that doesn't offend anybody that doesn't offend somebody. And of, right. offend is a strong word that people throw around a lot. And that's not why I brought this up. I didn't find any of that stuff in this movie offensive. Uh, yeah, sure. It was just like all the rest of it. It's just funny how ridiculous it is. It is. And it is. And and, and it and it, I it's funny now that I think about it, as, you know, I don't want to speak for Jesus, but if <laughs> Jesus were around and could watch this kind of thing, I, I think that that he would see some of this as like, oh, that's funny. Like, I never thought about healing the leper. And then he's like, that's his way for to make money. And, right, you know, right. that's obviously ridiculously stupid. But it, I think he, he, if you have the lightheartedness of things, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Right? It's not yeah. necessarily being well, derogatory. It, and that's it why plays they felt into that, they were giving that. It plays into the song at the end. It's like, you know, sometimes every so often it's like the, I'm not going to remember the exact quote, but I, it's the Stan Lee quote that I saw after he passed um, about how he used to think, you know, think less of himself for what he did. He's like, I'm just doing this goofy, silly thing. But he that he eventually over the years came to realize that um, if he was putting something out there that could take someone who's going through something, having a bad day and make them smile or laugh like there's value in that. There's great value in that. Right. Right. Um, which changes your mind on a lot of different stuff in the world. Sure, and and that's sure. this Monty Python stuff is that, it, you know, I, I don't know if they ever felt anything was they were trying to say a point. I just think that they were just finding humor in real things and it's all around them. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do a whole scene, several whole scenes, just making fun of a guy's speech impediment. 
and the fact that he says biggest dickus like Which, by the way is my favorite joke scene <laughs> line in the whole thing you're you're clearly not taking any of this too seriously right you, you know what his wife's called right incontinentia athletics yeah, yeah. <laughs> so dumb so good so dumb and so good actually what makes that i want i do want to comment on this the one thing that makes that even m- more funny is later on in another scene when his friend biggest diggis actually does come that's graham chapman there. it's the same guy playing brian oh it's so good yeah it's so good yeah um by the way monty python 2 is great because you've said many times here there's like five guys playing all the roles yeah all the female well not all the roles there's a few but you know there's they play female roles male roles it doesn't matter they have it's actual just, women which right. is strange to me that the, one of the guys always plays an old woman but because uh, <laughs> yeah. it's funny because right? it's funny I mean, of course of course and right. then and then she puts on a beard because women aren't allowed to go to stonies you get to the stoning and it's all women wearing beards it's yeah. just like right. Who th- who thought that up? It's so ridiculous. <laughs> so good, so good. The uh, yeah, it's just the these five guys will do stuff and completely nonsensical because again, they're not really trying to tell a point or a story. It's just silly. They will do a scene where they're. I was commenting earlier. Pontius Pilate in one scene ordering the death his Roman soldiers to do something, and in the very next shot, he is the Roman soldier giving you know out the the sentences. Yeah, yeah. You're like, it's wait, are you the what? You know, it, it's not meant to be. What about the what about the random uh, animation sequence right in the middle of the movie? Oh yeah, and then it goes into space and there's what, aliens and what, what what was that? I don't even know. I mean, Some, when that happened, the first time I watched this show and that happened, I was like, what? what? And I was like, is it going to go on? And then it's just over. And then the end of the movie comes. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. even was that? It was but, like they they needed an excuse to get uh, some of, uh, I think it's Terry Gilliam's illustration in there. I don't even know. And I then you're like, know. what? What? Okay. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's honestly, again, if you've not watched this show, there's many reasons to say about Monty Python, but this one is just five guys who are, it feels like, best buddies, and they just tell that they're comedians, they're funny guys who sit around a table and tell jokes to each other and just get drunk or just have a good time, and they wrote it down and then followed through and made a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that seems like every single Monty Python's that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, this is hilarious. Then there's this, and then somebody tells a joke about biggest dickus. Like, oh, yeah. What if like you were the? <laughs> we can make Pontius Pilate do that. Oh, that's great. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So much fun. It's living in the lives of these buddies doing the thing. Yeah, for sure. Oh, by the way, when they did Monty Python, I watched a lot of the outro or extras and stuff. Like these guys never thought these were ever going to be anything. No. You know, yeah. They, they they were when they're shot. They're shot with like parking lot cars right behind them and there's you know it makes no it looks nothing like it's going to be good or funny or at all right and even editing doesn't make it look much better and they're like yeah it's just a silly thing we do and then it becomes huge so okay so at the end of this you never did tell me life of brian or uh holy grail for the poster which one belongs there oh that's a hard that's I know so much that you avoided say, it the first time I asked. I think 
Um, I think if you're only going to watch one, which is ridiculous, but Mm -hmm. if you are only going to watch one, I would still stick with Holy Grail. Yeah. I mean, before we got the poster, when we were just thinking up stuff, we did Holy Grail. That was your self-challenge, but... Yeah, it's the it's the one most people know. Right. I, I will say I thought this one was more entertaining. I I liked I liked um, the Holy Grail because of the references I've heard throughout my whole life. Sure. Yeah. And it's but, had a much bigger cultural impact for sure. Yeah. But I, I put up like granted the, the French um, guard is probably one of the funniest things in that movie. But I would put him up to the, the speech impediment guy every day or any day i think sure you know that's that's hilarious and any of the the stoning scenes and pretty much all of the scenes hit me really well in this one um when was it they uh they're constantly getting stuck in the political struggle of like you need to come now and take action and he's like all right let's talk about what we're gonna do for the (laughs) seconded the action (laughs) yeah seconded all right sorry like now and like and then when she walks away she's like or whatever women or something like that Mm mm-hmm uh, so, yeah, this one, I think, joke for joke, all the way through, got kept me entertained and laughing throughout every scene. And Holy Grail, eh, somewhat, you know. Yeah, I mean, like Some I said, it's a tough... Flat I, in Holy Grail. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think as a as a movie, as a full work, I mm-hmm. guess, I, I agree that this one but you're right. is probably better. Yeah. I think if you, if you watch Holy Grail and thought it was at least tolerable then you should definitely watch this one yeah then you'll be happy with this one all the way through so okay we're, we've got moving next week we uh i'm going to be taking a big trip next week so we got to pick something that's interesting but uh not too interesting <laughs> okay oh well what do you think i mean a summer we need a summer movie all right um let's we've got a couple options here how about we could either do dirty dancing or okay. The Matrix. Oh, man. The Dirty Dancing, to me, feels like a summer movie. Yeah. Because they they go on a summer trip, right? I don't Uh, think I've ever seen that movie all the way through. Good luck. Good luck. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I kind of see why this is on the top 100, but there's so many good... Or, you know, bucket... Not top 100, but bucket list movies. I'm not... I'm going to be hard-pressed to find out why... This is a must see movie. I mean, or, what goes, what goes, what's, what, uh, what bucket is this movie in that you would pull a different one out? Would it be like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after we watch like it. Grease like Grease or Footloose? Seriously, there's, yeah, Grease or Footloose, maybe, you know, I mean, I can't think of what this one fills as a must see, except for like, I think Patrick Swayze is something that should be credited with something in the world. So let's put one of his movies on here. Sure. And it was Uh, either this or Roadhouse. So right. Or Or Ghost. Or Ghost. Yeah. So like, okay, Dirty Dancing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the only, we'll talk about that then. So uh, you pick, I mean, we have to get through Dirty Dancing at some point, but The Matrix is fun. I'm trying to decide which will be easier to put on while I have all of this family here. Uh, or whether I want to even might. whether I even want to put on our challenge movie in the on the main room of the house with 
all of this chaos or if it's how, just, how you think you're uh, I'll, I'll watch it on my own and feel it won't about, about the actual dirty dancing on the main screen where they're kind of grinding in on each other i, I feel know. like my parents had this on vhs but uh, right like that might i mean not really true. it's not that big of a deal for i mean no of course it's 80s, like it's, it's like uh, watching deadwood in a post game of thrones world yeah it's exactly it's not it was at one point but you know it's not even close and i mean i'm talking about even older generations now have seen a million times worse than what dirty sure was, sure so it was a big they they danced big dirty like that it was bad in the 60s but like this when this movie is set or 50s right but you know it's not anymore so anyway yeah i don't know where i was going with that uh so where do you, what do you what are you feeling well after we talked about it so much why don't we why don't we just go for it just go for dirty dancing okay we can do that it's been a while i say say i was a kid i think when mm. that was out or when i was at least on vhs and I was not allowed to watch a lot of those kind of shows, and we actually had it on a VHS, and I watched it again and again because my sister loved it, and she watched it sure, like sure. all the time. Uh, okay, cool. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. Did so, you, uh, go ahead. Speaking of Deadwood, did you uh, finish that? Finish I watching did. that show? I did, and I watched the, watched the, uh, the movie. The movie the just came out. 15-year movie later movie. I watched uh, the movie when just before or around the time you started watching this. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went back and have been trying to catch up. You binge watched it a little faster than. Yeah. Then it's easy, easy to do. I would, I've, I've one more episode in season three and then I'll be caught up again. But uh, uh, I mean, there's, there's not much I, I've said I could say about the show that we haven't already talked about on the show. Uh, but except that I thought the mo- the movie was a second half of the last episode was a better ending to season three. Sure. Uh, I mean, season three clearly felt like, well, we're going to have more episodes in this series. Like next season, we'll do it more. It felt like, and then it, so, and then it cut so off. before we, before we get into any details, um, we're going to talk spoilers for all three seasons and a movie of HBO's Deadwood. Right. So yeah, the, it seemed like in season yeah. three, there was a lot of things. There were a lot of things that they were setting up. Um, there's a whole story with Langriche and his theater troupe and bringing yep. in a different and they completely girl. dropped that. By there's, the way. there's one more episode. So I don't remember how that ended up in, in finality. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't end up. I don't, That's a thing. yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that it did. Um, it's not particularly relevant to the, main stuff that's going on it isn't but but it was clearly like set up for future people to be on the show and make things yeah yeah there were there were some other uh storylines they could have pursued in a fourth season it didn't feel like they knew they were getting canceled is is what i'm trying to say And, and and this movie was just a like oh okay now if we had known it this is how we would have finished the last episode this is how we would have had it or like if we have this much time like we don't have 12 hours or 10 hours that you get in a full season we're gonna get two hours so what are we gonna do uh right to wrap everything up which is good it, it it was good. It was it was a good ending. It wasn't like a lot of these series endings were that I kind of expected, where they neatly wrap up every little thing that you've ever could have thought of. Sure, um, which is fine. I mean, we Deadwood fans have had fifteen years of not having anything, so resolving the big things is pretty good. I mean, you're happy for that, right? Yeah. Um, n- namely, 
not leaving this great show on such a negative vibe of Hearst coming in and destroying everybody and everybody being terrible. Yeah. You know, everybody losing everything. So this ends, which is, it's interesting that cause it's such based on real people. It's hard right. to have a good ending. Cause you can actually go look up and see what happened to Hearst. What did he, this, these things happen. Yeah. Some of the, you know, there are historical events. The, the way that Wild Bill Hickok was murdered is mm-hmm. how it was portrayed in the show, but they definitely take a lot of artistic and creative liberties with these characters and their character. They do, but they also, for things that are fact or factual about characters, they do preserve those. Like right. things that are on there, and you can look them up and say, like, this character, this person did do X, they hold true to that. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, and, and they will, I just think Deadwood adds flavor to everybody. And that's sure. all the colors to the, the, the black and white on the book historical pages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Hearst, you know, who knows if he was a good guy or a bad guy. Or, there's, you know, things that are said or not. It's whatever. This one, complete, this interpretation of him definitely paints him as a bad guy. But we know he doesn't die there. So it's not like Alice's his dying breath can go up and shoot Hearst, <laughs> but that's what you might want on a normal movie. Right. And it's right? not, um, and there's, there's enough, like, what's the word I'm looking for? There's enough, like, complexity and ambiguity. Like, you get the sense that, you know, from the, from the episode where they introduce Hearst, he has that conversation with Tolliver where Tolliver challenges him on his man's, uh, activities walcott murdering the mm-hmm. prostitutes and hearst is like all i care about is gold or he calls it the color which i think is their way of because i i read a little bit of the wikipedia article on george hearst and mm-hmm. he did a lot of other kinds of mining quartz and silver mm-hmm. so maybe right. not a lot of other kinds but he did a lot of mining of other metals and, and minerals but right. um so I think maybe that's why they call it color. Like he, whatever's valuable in the ground is what he's looking for and what he cares about. That's his sole uh, passion. Well, yeah. Cause I, I think that he mined a lot of silver and copper in Deadwood, not just gold. Right. And so he says like, I shouldn't be in these kind of places. He's like, I he don't says several times. I right? don't belong here where there are already people because I don't get along with people. And so yeah. he does horrible things and, and orders horrible things done, but it's all just sort of serving his interest. He's not malicious in a, you know, like... Oh, I mean, I think he is. I mean, I think he's... There are things in this show, at least, that they push him and he is, especially in the movie. I mean, in the movie, he literally comes out and says, I'm coming for you, Sheriff. Right. Which is a malicious thing he does... For no good reason for the color or anything. Yeah, just, I mean he gets he gets angry, and I think anything with Trixie is definitely malicious. Sure, sure. It's but it's it's revenge motivated. It's sort of well, sure. And, I mean, it's and don't, fifteen and, years later, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not pregnant. Woman. I'm not saying that this character in this show is possibly painted in a more negative light than the original man, but of course. Uh, Al Swearingen is painted in a more positive light than the, oh, probably than what Al Swearingen than the original, the actual man. But of course, right. actual people 
are complex. So exactly. who knows? You know, history has a tendency to, uh, what's the word, distill or reduce. Um, those are different chemical terms. But, like, right. reduce something down to a, a, a quote or a line to just say, right. like, oh, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Well, he was a man who lived and did many, many things. He did many, like, many things throughout his whole um, boyhood, childhood, young adulthood, yes. But you know. there, there are interesting um, – I noticed this more. This is my second time watching through the whole series and my third or fourth time watching the first season and a half. Mm. Um, there are a lot of contrasts and parallels um, between the different characters. For a long time, it's between Al and Tolliver. I think we've talked about this off the air, but not on the – yeah. on the show in the ways that they they're similar kind of people with similar goals but the way that they approach those goals and the way that they treat the people around them um bears fruit in what happens to them right. um hurst he he sometimes seems like he has a a a, 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 a temper short temper mm. Not like Bullock's, but yeah. Right. But by contrast to Bullock, who is this seemingly hero character, um, who does, you know, even though he's the hero character, he does a lot of self-serving things as well. Um, oh, yeah. The same way that Al does, but that, you know, the way they're they're presented is, is different. Um, Hurst is very much the, like, he might get angry, but he's always um in control like right. he's he's calm he's collected and he'll you know order somebody to to do a thing where the the protagonists al and um and seth both will do things they'll they'll just do something in a in the heat of a moment and then you know, have to reap its consequences, but it just like right. they lose control of themselves. It's like Al uh, provoking Bullock in the thoroughfare, right? Right. He just makes some smart Alec remark. Well, now they have to have it out. Like they have to yeah. get in. A, they have to have, you know, fist fight. Right. Uh, yeah. To I, resolve you know that. The, that that I will say there was only one ep thing because you're right about uh, Hearst being. I was going to say he's one. I was going to add to your thing and saying he's one guy that you're never going to make him make a mistake by pushing him too far. I mean, he may make a long term mistake, but he'll never make an instantaneous mistake. Uh, except when it came to EB, like it's like he wrecked EB all the time. Yeah, like in the movie and in the show. Which, by the way, I'm a little sad that the character of EB did not get much screen time in the movie. Mm. Um, but which. Uh, that's also a thing. I think season three really like was a down note for EB. He yeah. was such a good character in one and two. And then three, they're like, we're just going to throw this guy under the bus. And I mean, cause he is a low life weasel guy, but dang, <laughs> they didn't, you know, man, I don't know if the writer was, had so many in his life that he was trying to, you know, compensate for, but um, yeah. I mean, there's a sense where, I think there's a sense where 
as the scope escalates, right at the beginning of the show, the the worst guy in town is Al. Yeah. Well, he's you can't make him an anti-hero unless there's somebody worse. So you bring right. in Tolliver, but Tolliver's yeah. really only like 10% worse than Al. Right, he's similar to Right, Al so that right. rides you out for a while. And then you bring in Hurst, and Hurst is like an order of magnitude worse than anybody else. So and it turns the entire town now to him Right. Being. It colors the whole town and where EB was this guy who like he had some uh um like conniving manipulating um ability but he could only wield it in this like meek f- fawning subservient kind of way with Al Which, yeah. like he and there was no room for that in season he, 3 he couldn't stand toe to toe with Al he could only serve himself in this submissive way and when a character as big as George Hurst comes on the scene, there's no room for any of that. I mean, Hurst even brought Al to heel many times. Right. Where, right. where Al was, you know, when he chopped off his hand and then Al was second guessing himself and showed fear several episodes after that. Right. Um, that So if he does that to someone like Al Swearingen, he definitely, the character of EB doesn't stand a chance. Just, just is, is the proverbial doormat. Yeah. And, and that's... Yeah, I mean, I guess I had a little bit of liking for Evie and that actor for doing good jobs in season two. Um, I mean, they they use that they use that a little bit to get to give uh, George Hurst a little bit of I I guess humanity um, in the sense of like he's not just. He's not out to destroy people. Like, his goal is not to destroy anyone. His goal is just to serve himself, which doesn't make him good. Like, he's clearly like can't bad. EB. Like, everything he does with EB is to just destroy EB. But when... Like when he spits in his face and he tells well, right. him not to no, wash it off. And... I mean, that is... That's ridiculous and not... I, I don't remember the last episode, so... Uh, However, no, that does he do out. that in the last episode? Yeah, when you see no, that it's, one, it's, it's like... like the second to last. So I've seen that, but I don't remember yeah. if anything happens after that. But when he buys the hotel, he keeps EB there. Like he doesn't sure. want he doesn't want to destroy EB. He just wants a place. He wants a headquarters, and he's like, "I'll buy it. You can right. stay yeah. on as manager." And Her, he Hurst and he in brings the first in half the season as opposed to the second half of the season is a little different from each other. I mean. Yeah, early on he's super ruthless. He makes he makes efforts and you really see that in a microcosm in the episode when uh Alma Garrett Ellsworth tries to make a deal with him, right? She has her proposal, her business proposal. Right. And you see in the difference between the first time they interact and even the first half of that second meeting and then the in the second half of that second meeting the difference between his his approach and his behavior like he he'll be civil and be um cooperative up to a point and it's not yeah, a right. and it's not a very far point like just a little bit 
but then beyond that it's just no it's completely self-serving and so you see that you know when he brings in his cook you know he doesn't make him fire richardson or pay him any less it's just oh, like well, richardson wasn't in there i wonder if he like his real actor guy died because oh that could be he was he was really old along in years when they when the show was on but i'll tell you i loved richardson overall in the whole series like i really did and he only got better i think the moment he started to become like a character is when alma had him walk him her across the street yeah and then and then from then on it was like oh he is he's doing his stuff with the antlers he's doing his with the The, antlers and he he kept the second to last episode pagan he takes uh he takes food from aunt lou over to uh over to jewel Oh, exactly, at, at, right. At the gem. That seems like a thing that they could have built on in season four. Oh, for sure. And they, I think they definitely would have. He, he, like, uh, he also, scenes. this show, season three, did a lot of little breadcrumbs all the way through um, the whole thing. They really had a nice, cohesive, this is what we want season three to be mm-hmm. in a long thing. Not just episode to episode but they really fed intentionally every little thing we talked the character of jan who was killed at the end and they they te- breadcrumbed her stuff with uh harry all the way through and harry right is that what you're thinking? uh or, johnny 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 they they breadcrumbed her stuff all the way through and then same thing with um richardson like he does the you know the pagan thing they talk about him all the time and when he's praying to somebody and then you'll see a scene with him like when aunt lou's uh son gets killed and it switches to her and richardson like bawling their eyes out together Mm -hmm. and you're like this is just a small little thing but they're showing you who richardson is in this one little scene without any lines and then they move on to the next one and he's in it like he's doing another funny little thing when (laughs) he comes in and alerts um eb of something which by the way eb's tearing him down and i know it's just a projecting thing but is the best like eb (laughs) talking about him like he's not even he calls him a creature all the time Mm -hmm. every time richardson talks he's like i did not even know you could utter words or something like that (laughs) or i did not know why you no one took a rock to the egg that you spawned of and i'm like jeez dude it's so the, bad to this guy. It's the uh the crap flows downhill. <laughs> yeah. Right? right. Like there's there's nobody there's nobody else E B can uh can lord over, so he just takes every and, chance. And E B sits in like his his room or something. He's like a little closet behind his manager's desk, which is yeah. a a funny thing. Um but he just yeah hides that, that, back there. The in the movie, uh obviously uh Powers Booth he passed away beforehand of pancreatic cancer mm. and he couldn't be on the show. So we don't have an ending to Tolliver, whatever happened. He just, it's for some reason now the Bella union is hers. They don't really say Joni's. Yeah. Joni's they, the movie felt like, a okay, I'm gonna say 50% pandering. And I know that's kind of was the whole point sure. of even having the movie, but the, the Jane and um, what's her name? Love story that they put together was a nice thing they were hinting at in season three, but then they just made that Jane's purpose for being even here. Uh, Joni. Yeah. Jane and Joni. Like in the movie, that was the purpose. And they were like, they set it up from the beginning and they, they, those two characters had nothing else to do with anybody or any interactions except with those two. 
because we got two hours. We want to finish their story. And uh, Alma and uh, her thing was the same thing. She was just really centered around her relationship with uh, the sheriff or Marshall now. I mean, and that's that's all her function in the movie was besides like buying the thing with her money. Um, And that's what they did. They just really stuck to we want to wrap up these characters and that's all we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bullock was the most interesting, I think, of the movie because I thought he did change a bit in 15 years. He wasn't as angry, hateful. Right. I, I mean, he had a little bit more control. He well, it's had like a really loving relationship with his wife. His, um, yeah, I mean, he had developed some of that when the show was still going. Right, but it was very much in its infancy, and this now you felt like yeah, this character once, had become the Marshall once, and had um, become the once Alma left town, it, you know, then they were able to live. Um, right. I think they killed fully. Charlie Utter just so that we can like refresh our feelings about an important character dying that we love. I think that's the only reason they kill him off. Like, yeah, or they when, need like the the rest of the characters need a good enough reason to. Uh, to go against Hurst. Right. Which, which they all had at season three. Like they were all once, once Ellsworth died in season three, that's when the whole world changed on that show. I mean, I did not realize that, that Ellsworth was such a pivotal character until he died. And then when he died, I was like, Oh man, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Well, he's and, and he's your introduction to the town, the camp, right? right? Like you get, I think you get Seth's introduction first when he does the the hanging you do. You do. of the guy yeah. before he and Saul leave town. Yeah. But then the first Deadwood scene you see is Ellsworth at the gem drinking and he's he's you know, owner of a owner of a working gold claim, beholden to no Nobody. Yeah, yeah, nobody. I can't right. quote any part of that line without. Uh, right. Well, profanity. you know, and he he evolves a lot. There's there. I was going to say I was going to ask you who you thought does does the most character evolution throughout the series. I think Johnny was one of them. I think Johnny's character changed a lot from when you first meet mm-hmm. him in the first episode or the first series season. I mean, to the end. I think Ellsworth had a huge change. It'd be easier to find somebody who doesn't. Well, I mean, I, think I don't. Al was always Al. Yeah. I don't think Al changes a lot. I think you just learn more about who the man is. I guess. I guess. Right. And like, I mean, I like Charlie doesn't change. Charlie Edder does not change. Like right. Charlie starts out good, with you know a couple of flaws, Taking but care most. Of Bill. Most yeah. of his most of his flaws are just in a, a strong sense of conscience and help. Like he's just always trying to help people, even against themselves. Right. right. I mean, that's how he's introduced as Bill's, you know, right hand or whatever. Right. And um, I think that I think that Jane would have was set on a course to have some big changes happen in a season or two, but got prematurely stopped sure I, I think that she's she didn't change a whole lot i mean she got became a drunkard but she was kind of a drunkard before mm-hmm. and that's where they set her even through the movie she sort of is, goes back and forth it's kind of a 
it's a little bit of a tragic stereotype of an alcoholic where, you know, she has phases of good time when she's helping with the plague stuff. And then she goes back and then she's helping Joni for a while, but then she leaves and then they've got the school. So she comes back. Um, yeah, they they just feel like she was in flux of like on the cusp of some kind of character development that we needed to learn a- about, but then just hadn't had a chance to finish. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. By the way, something about Calamity Jane. By the way, that's the the first time they used Calamity Jane was in the in the movie. They never actually called her Calamity Jane throughout the mm-hmm. whole series, except at the end she calls herself Calamity Jane. Um, which, by the way, in the Wikipedia article, that's what it said too: is that she called herself Calamity Jane. And said she where she got the name from, but nobody really believed it or not. I um, thought that I thought that that I had heard that once in the show, but I watched could, the movie before I, I, I rewatched. I could have so missed it. It's hard to say. Uh, but so Jane, I want to say Jane is is funny for two scenes that I really liked that I don't know if if you don't if you don't pay attention you probably miss them. Is that Jane is is kind of the town drunkard and everybody likes her or knows her and puts her up with her, but she's never like mean or i mean she's mean uh but nobody takes her real seriously really ever yeah except when they do like jane is the one who always starts the riots like every Mm. time she's like let's go kill this guy or whatever jane is the one that comes out and is yelling everybody gets to do it she's on the street drunk yelling at everybody and she's doing it and she does it in the movie again when they 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 lynch hearst it's like Jane is the one that starts that. I'm like, wow, what is Jane? You are the worst. <laughs> you are the, you are the worst. And then I'm always thinking, like, what are they going to do? They're going to put Jane in jail and persecute her for being a, no, because it's just Jane, right? But she is. She's the she's the troublemaker, uh, inciting violence <laughs> all the time. Anyway, I, I liked it. I liked. It. I'm glad that I watched it. Um, it's not. I thought the movie was going to be some. Might have been some epic, nice, huge story in its own. Kind of like how Firefly, when they did their Serenity, I, I can't it help but keep story. thinking and trying to compare. Obviously, there's some distinct differences. Like Firefly only ran one season. Um, it didn't really. For the 13 episodes it did have, it did not have a continuing story. Um, we were still really just getting to know these characters right Um, right. and there was only two or three years between right it's something like that Um, oh yeah between no there was there was more than that but you're right no maybe you're right it was maybe it wasn't that much it feels like it was but it surely wasn't 10 years i I don't think no Um, it serenity was oh five and firefly was in oh two so oh well only three years three years uh enough time where people are like Okay, it's not coming back. Uh, let's make a movie. And the movie was great, but the movie really was like world building, right? It's this big thing, and there are these people, and this is where the Reavers came from, and um, and this whole thing where Deadwood was always just about this place and the uniqueness of this place and the crazy people in it. And so it I mean, sort of makes sense that after over 10 years of nothing, they're like, okay, we get this chance. Let's let's wrap up this story because this is all we're going to get. It's not um, – so that made sense to me. I need to 
like I said, I have one more episode in season three, and then after a little while, I'll probably go back and watch the movie again when those events of season three are more fresh in my mind. And I, and I will say that uh, that 15 years makes a huge difference because it it really is watching a show about a bunch of old people. I mean, these people <laughs> these people were were like 45 to 55 when they made the show. Not all right. of them. Some of them were in their 30s, but most of them were. So you're yeah. talking about 60-year-olds as the main cast mm-hmm. or older. And yeah. like they really, really show it. It's, it's, I know that I went straight from watching season three, and then now I'm watching my favorite characters, and I'm having a hard time looking at Charlie and saying, is like, that's Charlie underneath there. <laughs> but, you know, it's just – it's different. It's so – it's so it's weird that 15 years at that age does – I guess at any age, 15 years. Is 15 it, years is a long time if you're not it, uh, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, right? I guess that's the thing. is Patrick Stewart's been doing movies for 30 years. He looks the same as he did when he did Excalibur. It's like the same darn guy. Uh, so I... I'm going to flip over here to video games a little bit so we can talk okay. a lot about movies and TV shows. You picked up a, you picked up a brand new, newly released yes. MMO. I know. I can't believe it. It's amazing. It's fresh, six, fresh out of, old, fresh out of E three two thousand eighteen. Wait, two thousand ten, I think, or something like two thousand eleven. Yeah, maybe that's the joke that <laughs> that's I'm making. the joke, right? Uh, so I, I have started playing Guild Wars two again. I'm really mixed at the fact that I'm playing it. Uh, okay. Because, like, I was getting the. How long did it out- take you to to cash in all of your? birthday gifts and decide how to spend them oh as long as it took me to figure out how the dang game worked i mean which was forever Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. like i i was really really timid to even open up to click on the letter to accept like here's your birthday get gift package i I did this same thing recently i don't remember what we were talking about it was either something we talked about on the show or in our group chats or one of the video game podcasts i listened to gave me the itch to like check that game out again and yeah i had like five years worth of birthday gifts on all the characters i mean i had like one mid-level character and a bunch of freshly rolled characters and you know a bunch of them are like level boosts right and so they are you take and you can basically i don't know what the level cap is now but you could get a character all the way up to 50 before the expansions i know it was 80 so 50 is pretty good yeah, I think it get it gets you close. It's kind of like the boost for World of Warcraft, where it gets yeah. you to the cap of the previous expansion. Right. Um, I mean, I have I have they've only got five character slots in a game that's beautiful and is worth like probably the coolest character looking, gorgeous characters of all the games I've played. Um, mm. And you only have five slots. Right. I just want to make cool characters. I mean, City Heroes is pretty cool too, but. Um, the so most this one, the the game for me that wins that is Black Desert. Oh, I've not played that one, so maybe yeah. Because it's so, I mean, it's South Korean, so the most of the characters look a little bit Asian, and I'm not oh, sure. trying to be derogatory. It's just in right. the character design. Well, the, but the, the thing about this one compared is compared were... to you compare that to a game like uh, Elder Scrolls Online, where I'm like, why why are the characters all kind of ugly? Right. Well, it's just that world. In, in this one, there, there's five slots, and that's important because. Um, I have like three of them. The slots are full level 80 characters that I've played all the way through the game, which I've, Oh, can't so think of must... any other MMO that I've done that with three. You full played characters. more than, uh, than we did when we, oh, I played a bunch, the, 
the crud out of it. Because a bunch it, of us got into it all at the same time when it was relatively new. Yeah, I mean the the personal stories were so great. It doesn't Guild Wars Two. By the way, I know we're jumping into things here, but Guild Wars Two is is an older MMO game that doesn't look necessarily old. It still plays thing. One of the bit the best the two biggest hooks about Guild Wars besides all mechanics and stuff is that it has a very unique art style and it has a painted look to it. Um, like a yeah. uh, oil paintings is what they were really going for. I played the original, the old one, a lot. That was my yeah, first. Sure. And it's not technically an MMO, but it was my first game like this. Yeah. And then the second part of it is, it, is that it is an MMO, massively multiplayer online game, uh, that does not charge monthly fees. It you You have a full access to an MMO that you can play forever, and you do not have to buy anything every month. Uh, I wonder if they changed that i feel like it had a subscription when we started they did not they had never had i've I've been playing it now just just fine um what they do is there's internal kind of monetizations that meaning a lot of it's cosmetic for a Mm -hmm. game that's really beautiful um they have you can unlock they don't just give you beautiful uh equipment pieces by the way everything is shown except for like maybe one item on your character like the necklace or something. It's the only thing that can't be seen. So every item has a look to it. And even the beginner items and the beginning zones that you get are pretty nice looking. Um, they don't just save it for the ultimate end game zone uh, items. That way... Is this a game... Is this a game that has cosmetic armor? Oh, this this does not have that. This does do the... Um, um, the transmog kind it, of system, yes, like, it, it changes like, the, the look of the piece, and that's that's again a good monetization thing. Is that sure. when you change that piece off, so you have to you pay you, gems or something, right? Like you you right, pay a dollar right, right. fifty two dollars whatever it is for a transmutation, which you can get in the game through other ways, um, and you pay two dollars and you get a transmutation, and to change your this chess piece's look. It costs one transmutation. So if you get another piece, you have to pay another two ninety nine if you want to keep it. Yeah, know, that, that, that that's how it works in WoW. Except it's just a gold sink. Yeah. So and this is instead of a gold sink, it's you know that's how they make money, which I'm totally fine with. I love it. I love that they have those options in it. Uh, it in it, I can totally see myself drawn into the like. Oh, I really want X, Y, or Z. Dyes is another thing. They've they mm-hmm. such color a huge color palette. Um, and that was a big part can, of the original game. It, it is. And you can get them. You can totally quest and get loot and grind and get the, the different dies and stuff from random boxes. But if you want to buy this one, you can do it for X, you know, money, um, which is good. I love that. I think that's a, a, a nice way to do things. Um, things like uh, wings. I want my wing, my backpack to look like wings or <laughs> whatever it might be mounts and what the mounts look like. You know, you can buy those things. They don't give you things that you can't get in the game and they've got other choices and you can get all the stuff that make you play the game just fine. But if you want that nightmare horse, then you you buy it, um, which is which is cool. Uh, they have expansions as well. Uh, sure. But the full the full games themselves, like the full game, all the story, all the quests, all the epic stuff is for you get that with the initial price of the game. And actually, yeah. I found that when too, I downloaded it. Guild Wars 2 is now, like, the base game is free to play. So that's a huge game you get for free. Sure, yeah. Well, they're making enough revenue off the mic, off their cash yeah. shops items their cash to shop support stuff. it. And they can. Uh, 
I was, I'm going to probably throw down, if I don't throw down more, but I was probably going to throw down another $10 because I was mentioning three of my character slots are level 80, one's level 46, and then um, the, another one is like 17. So I either delete the level 17 one to create another character. Of, or buy I, another slot. Or buy another slot, which is 10 bucks. Yeah. Um, I've done that a couple times. I spent some money on Star Trek Online last time I played it. Um, yeah. I mean, you get you get five again. I'm I'm sh- telling trying to get across the point here. Five character slots is plenty to play a game <laughs> and get the whole impact. But to pay them ten extra dollars is not asking for much, considering that you're they're doing all the things that WoW does every month, and for the server fees or whatever it is, and not charging me for it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we you and I have made this argument before about what MMO continuous costs cost and guild wars and arena net don't charge me that so i don't mind paying them for the things that i'm going to do sure i mean that's that's how free to play works when it's not you know when there's an actual game behind it and it's not uh you know these mobile things that are just just a bunch of yeah and i and i want to press that against the guild wars 2 thing that you're not getting into that game and getting a cash shop that oh i can only go so far they had these things that some of these MMOs have, they do have that I don't like that you'll get. Ooh, I got a drop. It's a, it's called like a black company box. Oh, it's like, the thing like um, uh, Borderlands does this. And a, and a, I've seen a couple other games do it. I think yeah. maybe Star Trek does. I don't, I don't remember. I think Black Did Desert you- had something like that, but you could get those in a drop. You just get them kind of slowly. I always had a yeah. ton of them because I spent 90% of my time in that game doing professions and not actual combat. So I always got more keys than chests. And so it didn't matter. Oh, yeah. See, uh, yeah, this, this one, like in this game, those you can't, you have to buy the keys. I think I have two because they were anniversary gifts or something. Yeah. Um, but you have to buy those with money. So you get it. It's a completely different set of equipment that you can get in these boxes, mm-hmm. but it's a random box. Right. So that, those I don't like. Uh, you don't have to buy bad. those. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I just throw them in the, the, the shop and you can actually sell those on the stuff. But anyway, the, the game has got my attention again. It's a beautiful game. It's a beautiful game. And the sound is is really gorgeous. It feels sweeping and epic. Um, <laughs> it, has, it has that itch that you and I were talking about off the air about um completionism type thing i i enjoy mm-hmm. collecting things it's funny enough you're like yeah. you get you, gonna... if you get on and you're not sure what to do there's always some zone that you haven't completed and you get a reward for that and that it feels yeah. good it feels good and it it does feel very tangible when i get something in the game uh yeah. i i get um and that game has the great thing i think rift for me rift did the first was the first time i ever experienced this a lot of games do it now but where you're walking along and then there's like a champion has come and he starts to take over the city and now we have to like i can go mm. help that and everybody else yeah. will start doing it. and it just distracts you from doing your completion stuff and it gives you <laughs> reward and stuff but that makes it totally breaks up the monotony of the normal stuff that you're doing. Yeah. They, they've started doing more of that stuff in Warcraft now too. As, yeah. It, as it's, I think that's, that should be standard. Uh, Guild Wars does the... it really well. Guild Wars two. And that the zones actually do change. And that I know they really pushed this the first time is that um, the centaurs will invade a city and if, or a fort mainly, and you can help push them back. Or if you don't, they will actually take over that fort. Oh yeah. That, 
they did stuff like that in the first or second expansion for the old game because I remember there being like a like a battle line, like a a split in the zone. Yeah. And it would shift back and forth. Like you your guild would pick a faction between these two factions, like who who you were gonna support, and you would fight these PvP or or quest kind of th- I mean the game was very PvP focused. Yeah. And the line would move forward or back. You know, and cities would switch control, you know, between one faction or the other. It's kind of, kind of cool. Yeah, I, that was cool. And I and I know that I, I walked into a zone area with a fort example, and the guy was like, um, "We need help pushing back the centaurs," mm-hmm. and he's at this fort and or clearing out their traps or something that they laid around the fort. And I went out there, and the quote unquote good guys have actually were in the middle of they had taken control of the fort and. It was fine, and there were just a few centaurs on the outside, and I could do their trap stuff and pretty easily. But mm-hmm. later on, the centaurs were attacking that fort, and they took over the fort. And that quest guy was definitely now you were you're, the quest meant taking it back, right? Um, right. So you wanted to clear them out so that it's a back thing, which is just really neat and dynamic. And they do that in every zone. And again, can, did I say it was a gorgeous game? It's a gorgeous <laughs> game. Gorgeous game. I love every character is unique and interesting. Um, there's not, they throw the different archetypes out the window. Like the mages can be tanks, can be healers, can be DPS, can be crowd control, uh, tanks. Oh, can be that's the one where it's all based on your weapon. Based right? on your weapon weapons. Yeah. So yeah, your skill Depending bar. Depending on what you equipped. You're like, you're not just a mage. Like you're a mage with a wand and a, offhand or a shield and yeah like your first three skills are based if you have a sword equipped and your second hand is a shield so it's got defensive abilities or it's a um wand so you have dps casting range stuff Mm -hmm. and then your signet and then your special abilities where your other buttons which is a huge just builds were huge you know well i i saw you playing that game and i thought about installing it but my internet has been bad all weekend and so i i was not going to try and download an mmo instead i i have still been uh slogging through uh divinity 2 that's a game that i i have kind of a strong love hate feel for it like if i think about it at all during (laughs) the day then i'm like oh i want to get on and see if i can maybe i can respec this to this and I do a lot of saving and loading, which feels kind of bad. But at the same time, like if I roll into a situation and get ambushed by some dudes that are, you know, I'm level 10 and they're level 15. And I'm like, how is there no like warning that I was getting even close to this like place where guys are going to one shot my half my party in the first round? Then I just load and I go the other way. Or right. I come on a situation and go through the conversation and the dude attacks me and, and stuff goes poorly. And I'm like, okay, let me try this again. What if instead of trying to flirt with the the character, I'm like, what if I just threaten him a little bit? Okay, then he backs down and we go into yep. the fight, but it's not as bad. And, yep. you know, it's just like a... I get the sense of it being a sort of D&D simulator experience because there's so much flexibility. Yeah, it's like all homage back to Baldur's Gate, which was Baldur's Gate, of course, right. right. 
I, I mean, I hate uh, saying that, but that's, you know, the, what, that was the one that everybody talks about. I mean, that is Divinity Original Sin 2 is, I personally believe, probably the pinnacle, current pinnacle of those 3D isometric um, strategy well, they, turn they gave strategies. this they gave this company the uh they're doing Baldur's Gate 3 so yeah that i mean larian studios yeah i i believe it um it's great it is the best of 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 those genre games and it's i know you hadn't played a lot of those so it's good that you picked that game to play and i totally get what you're saying i mean the love hate type thing it's i enjoy the game I, I mean, contrast it with a, a game in my mouth like, oh, I also hate X, Y, or Z that I don't want to do, and <laughs> the time sink. And the- I'll go through a whole fight, and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm losing. I'm not going to be able to pull back out of this. I don't have resurrection scrolls. I gotta I gotta load my save and start this all over again. It doesn't it doesn't um, make you feel like you need to do things perfect, and you don't have to, but it makes you. It, you just have a feeling you want it. You can some, do better. Sometimes it does, but then I look at it and I, because of the way that i am i'm like what could i have done differently they had three actions before i could even try anything but then i come back way later i'm after i find the the whole set of um uh tyrants armor and i can you know cancel out these watchers screechers mm-hmm. i can i can come around and now when the fight starts i have high ground and i can you know yeah. You know, i compare it with um final final fantasy tactics which is a game people rave about as being classic like i bought that game on ios and the very first combat you do like half your team gets wiped out and it's one of those classic rpgs where there's no um there's no resurrection stuff those characters are just dead and i'm like yeah what that was the first fight what was i supposed to do (laughs) you know it's not you know most normal modern games have more of a more of an ease into that uh that difficulty right. and this and this game does too but i'm at yeah the, well the, I, the I, I do i i really enjoy your your comment about like how, i like that one i like that you're still playing it because there's a i know you had such a bad taste in your mouth with the multi mouth with the multiplayer part of after it. we did the multiplayer i was like eh, okay and then when e3 rolled around and the steam sale and you know i was looking at uh fallout 2 again and looking mm-hmm. at the the baldur's gate remastered games are like a dollar and I'm right. like, should I try that? And I'm like, I spent $30 on Divinity Original Sin 2. I really should, right. if not finish the story, like at least go try it again. And I, I re-rolled a new party. I wasn't going right. to try and figure out where I was in that original party. I, I but, think that uh, they're all great games, those ones you mentioned. But I still think the best is this one because it is the most modern. It takes all the lessons from all the ones before. It's so hard to get a fair judgment out of something that's, 10 plus years old exactly and like exactly. tactics and are 10 15 years old and so everybody reviewing them like played it again or you know whatever and it's like yeah but how much is it going to bother me if i try to play fallout 2 and there's a whole button with text on it but the only part you can click on is the tiny little red circle on the left side i'm yeah. like what why isn't the whole button clickable come on well because right. that game was made in like 98 or something and yep it didn't matter oh or or as i've said this this goes in my wow classic launch thing is that you know they have improved things in these games later like divinity 2 has built on all of the things from all of the games yeah. before and they've made them better and they're like okay this wasn't as fun it was a pain in the ass and we got used to it and we glad that we overcame that 
and still won the game, but let's just make it easier and more fun. And that's why you don't have to do it. So you enjoy it much more as it goes more. So going back and playing those games, you have a lot of rose colored glasses in that. Like this was fun. And then you're like, Oh, there's this. And why can't they just do it like they do now? They didn't make divinity original sin much easier. No, no. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's some, the biggest, the biggest one I struggle with is are misclicks. It's so easy to like click on the screen in a wrong place, and now your character walks, and you've wasted two action points. <laughs> yeah, pain number I'm like, right. uh, can I just have a c- command Z? Can I have a control Z? And undo for that? that move. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I like I like it, and I do I do. It is definitely not one that I re- remove off my desktop because I I like it, <laughs> enjoy it, and, and I do want to finish. I've only got about halfway through chapter two, um, mm-hmm. or act two, um, and uh, it's it's good. It's good. Um, but my really quickly, just go back to the Guild Wars two thing. I wanted to end that statement with, um, I took out the trash today and for the second time in two days, I stopped and told myself out loud to myself, I am not going to let my summer be wasted by another damned MMO. Mm. I won't do it. I won't do it. And then I just stormed off in the house and voted at the show. Um, but ugh, stupid MMOs. They, they are like. It's like heroin. You get it, and you're like, "Oh, I remember." Not that I've ever had heroin, but it's just that I want the. Yo, I have it again. Maybe some people it's like smoking a cigarette after they haven't smoked it. You just like, you oh. just zone out with it. I've I've over the years gotten diminishing returns that has mostly been overtaken with uh, Factorio. Though mm-hmm. even that game, like I've played it on and off for enough years now that I'll get I'll get to a point of like. Okay, the next thing that I have to do is a big project to figure out. This is a good time to to alt F four and uh, yeah, I and think I bed. think with Guild Wars, I, I feel that same way too. I, so far with this in this go round of Guild Wars, I've had that I'm fine with turning it off now. Like I've done my, what I wanted to do. I've completed my problem, this extra zone and going to bed now. Yeah, I'm sure I've said this before, but my problem with MMOs is always that I'm playing them by myself. Like there are people on there, but I don't know who those people are. I don't care about them. Even if I join a random guild, like I'll put in some of the effort, but without a big like goal that you need a group to accomplish, which is what that's the purpose that raiding serves in WoW and other games have similar things like their PVP or whatever. And I don't care for PVP. So that's not a draw for me. Um, I'm like, okay, yeah, I got, I got cool armor. Like, I played Black Desert for months, and I got really, really nice armors dyed with really good colors, and good. they eventually did a thing where you could, um, you know, redo your your appearance, character appearance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they, they did, like a, like, a gallery where you get user stuff, so find the ones that look like different uh, celebrities and tweak them up a little bit mm-hmm, or whatever, sure. and... You know, this, like, what some people call, like, play dress-up dolls. Yeah. Right? Right. And, like, what, like, I can take screenshots of that stuff and post it in the group chat, but nobody else is playing, so they don't really care. Yeah. I I, I get that thing. I think one of the things that lets me play um, Guild Wars 2 as opposed to, say, going playing WoW, because WoW... Wow is very it feels very mechanical to me in that there is just things that you do in X, Y, or Z. But Guild Wars to me, and it might be just the art style, but it's also the fact that the feeling of 
like I feel in that world and I feel the story happening and it feels a lot more alive than sure. they, most they call that Im- immersive Im- immersive and, and it's it does... hard the the Warcraft world is so stylized it can be immersive like I came to it from Guild Wars and it was definitely immersive to me but the my buddy that I was playing with was much more of a gamer gamer like he wanted to win he wanted to get to the top and I'm yeah. like but I'm still here fishing food for my pet. I don't I don't want to go to the next zone yet. Yeah. Um, Th- these but Guild yeah, I can see that in so 2019 unique. to try and go back in those uh, cartoonish graphics. And they, you know, the graphics get better every expansion. But sure. it's still it's still what it is. It's still a 14 year old engine. Yeah. So and, I, and, I get that for sure. And, and this and this has this has like you're walking and most things are voiced as well so right you come out to right. quest npcs they're talking in really good acting voices mm-hmm. uh, or when you're just walking through town you hear whispers of people talking and then you they'll go away and they fade out naturally and or fade in as you get closer to them which again adds to the immersion of living being in a real place and i gotta tell you i keep going about the art style but like the world of guild wars is very unique every zone is not your typical fantasy thing I mean, it just is really, really unique. Even mm. the the big tree zones, like the, the Druid area where it's a big tree stuff, is unique right. uh, differently than all of the Night Elf stuff in, in uh, Warcraft. It just is integrated a neater way. Um, mm. So anyway, I, I like it. I know we're running way over, but uh, I like it a whole lot. And I'm, I'm playing it because I'm enjoying what I'm seeing on the screen and what I'm doing. And that feel that you said it's satisfactory, that when I do a thing, I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what Guild Wars is giving me right now. And if that if that ends at any point, then oh yeah, I'll definitely. I don't mind cutting this one end. I don't need to finish in this MMO, uh, right? But <laughs> you uh, can't finish an MMO, right? Well, I felt I don't know. This had this this had the Star Wars kind of thing. Is that you have a personal story? Oh, uh, I see. Guild Wars yeah. Two has a main storyline and a personal storyline, and you can definitely finish both. Like sure, the, sure. the 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 main storyline of the game can be ran through what five mans on random pickups and you can play them on the normal mode and see the whole story. Sure. And, and you, so when you're done with that, I can feel like I've done it. Yeah. Right. I get that that character. Uh, so yeah, but I don't feel I have to do that on this one, but you know, we'll see. Sure. All right. That's good. We got it. (laughs) Got it for the night. Good. Good. Talked out of, uh, watch some dirty dancing dirty dancing you should go see toy story it was good i still have to go see that yes it's definitely oh i did what we watched spider-man we didn't talk about spider-man oh we had a whole you didn't put it on the list that's I why didn't put it on the list spider-man all about it hey my yeah my hot take on that was that i enjoyed it it was good yeah it was good I we'll, liked it. we'll talk about it next week You've been listening to Front Porch. This is episode 98. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. They'll probably talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, they will. Uh, if you enjoy listening to us and maybe our other friends, you can check out our other show, Klingons and Dragons. It is a Star Trek Adventures role-playing game. It's not safe for work. Don't put it on if you have kids in the car. If you have questions or comments on the show, you can email us, frontporchpod at gmail.com. Our website is frontporchpodcast.com. we got contact forms. We've got the schedule for the 100 movies on there if you enjoy the show you can subscribe on apple podcast spotify overcast anywhere podcasts are found thanks as always for listening and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time